the eavesdrop. No filter, off kilter. Exclusively on Spotify. podcast we're back again and uh, this episode we've got a great guest so joining the eves gang on this episode is a personal and performance coach he is passionate about working with leaders high performing individuals and athletes he prides himself on his ability to shine a light on what is unconscious to his clients helping them to access their untapped potential from within So by doing that, he empowers them to transform their inner world to amplify their performance, impact, and personal well-being. He is also the program director for Australia at Coach Masters Academy, a global academy that trains and certifies professional transformational coaches. All right, so our guest, has, he has over 10 years experience working in the fitness and wellness industry and was a former international athlete representing the Philippine National Rugby Sevens team. Please welcome, on the eavesdrop, Evan Spargo. Hello. Hi. Hi, everyone. Thank you for having me. It's, a, it's an honor to be here, and I'm very excited to be amongst you and have a chat today. Okay, as you can tell from his accent, he is Australian, and he is currently based in Australia. Whereabouts in Australia, Evan? I'm currently in Melbourne. How is it there now with uh, the pandemic? Yeah, it's a good question. We, we're in our fifth lockdown now, so we've had a tendency to go into lockdown to really just eradicate to make sure that we have zero cases and then we start up again. Mm-hmm. So this is our fifth lockdown now. So uh, hopefully we come out of this next week and that's kind of our strategy at the moment in Australia is as soon as the pandemic seems like it's going to start up again, mm-hmm. we quickly close down the the state that we're in or the city. And then once the cases go back to zero, then we resume as normal, which can be frustrating, right. but it, it's just a strategy that has worked. Oh, and it, it is working. Um, how long do the lockdowns usually last? A half a month? Well, a month? Mm, the first one was uh, the first and the second one lasted about three, four months, which right. was a nightmare. Yeah, but now they're about. <laughs> yeah, oh my. Now they're about a week, two weeks. Oh, okay. So hopefully this one will only be around a week. Yeah. Okay. Um, the, the reason we invited Evan today is because we've, we touched up on this topic several episodes back when I was expressing something that um, I think I was going through or an opinion I had of myself. And Dell put a term to what, to my behavior and my way of thinking, which was, it's the imposter syndrome. And it got several of our listeners curious. Now, if you didn't get to listen to that episode, just so you know, um, imposter syndrome is just an exaggerated sense of doubt about yourself, about your achievements and your abilities. And you live in this fear that you're going to be thought of as a fraud, an imposter. Mm -hmm. Um, We had one listener ask us to talk a little bit more about the imposter syndrome. So Chris Marie, we are... We didn't forget your message, and we are now talking about the imposter syndrome, what it is, how to get over it, how to overcome and break through the imposter syndrome, and Evan's going to help us through it. Right, Evan? 
<laughs> Absolutely. Okay. I'm looking forward to delving deep into it. Okay, so what is, aside from what I said, what more do we need to know about the imposter syndrome? Just by your explanation, I think you explained it very well theoretically. And if I look at what you said in your language, a key concept that comes out, and, it, and it, it's the concept of perception. It's the concept of what do others think of me? And ultimately, what do I think of myself? And the way that we look at it is that the imposter syndrome comes from a sense that I'm different to everyone else. What we tend to do is when we, when we want to put ourselves out there, we want to take the next level in our careers and our life or anything like that, we, t- we tend to idealize other people. We, we tend to see those people who we want to become as flawless mm-hmm. We see everything that they do is wonderful. It's high standard. It's excellence. And then when we reflect on that, we start to think, wow, I can't be like that. I'm not like that. Mm. And what we tend to do is we separate ourselves and isolate ourselves thinking, well, I'm not just not like that. So how am I supposed to be as good as them? So already our focus is on other people. And what we tend to do is we look at people for what they've done rather than what they go through. The end of the day, at the end of the day, everyone deals with imposter syndrome. Everyone deals with self-doubt. And I think that's the first thing. Become aware of that. Everyone deals with this. Like Jelly, you were you were talking re- uh, earlier about oh, this was in your language when you were speaking in a previous episode. We called it imposter syndrome. And now I look at you, I see you at the top of your tree, one of the best hosts in the Philippines. Mm. How on earth do you have imposter syndrome? Right. Right. Yeah. Like how on earth, right. but you do. And that just shows that everyone deals with it. Everyone deals. With it. And I think that's the first thing we need to understand about imposter syndrome. Everyone in the world deals with some sort of self-doubt. Some people are just better at hiding it than others. <laughs> that's reality. Yeah. Okay. So that gives us a sense of where it can stem from. You know, when, when we start to think about others and what they can do. We separate ourselves, we isolate ourselves and we start to look inwards and think what's wrong with me rather than what got me to here in the first place. What are my shining attributes? Mm -hmm. What are my foundations that got to me? What's my unique skill? What's my value that I can bring? We forget about all that thinking we need to be at a certain standard, but we need to understand that that person who we aspire to be or these other people we're in your place at some stage. Right, right. You know, and they, they, they fought with what you had, those inner thoughts as well. So it's really about perspective, putting everything in perspective that, hey, everyone deals with this. It's not just me. Mm-hmm. People who I aspire to be dealt with this. Some people are just better at hiding it than others. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Uh, do people get over it, the syndrome? Like if you do something for 20 or 30 odd years, Mm. Do you, after you see a a fresh batch of uh, people coming into your industry and you are now becoming the, the expert compared to these younger people, Mm. would that mean that after that much time, do people lose the imposter syndrome? It's a good question. I firmly believe that you'd never lose it. I'm a, uh, one of my favorite quotes that someone told me one day is that, is this new level? new devil Hmm. so whenever you get to a next level you fight a new challenge you face Mm, a new challenge right that's reality it's true right and it is and the next step you take in your career or life you take the next level you're going to face another arena another challenge 
and another inner obstacle. And so I don't think it ever goes, but I think your ability to deal with it gets better along the way. The more that you grow inwards, the more that you learn about yourself, you learn about your triggers and also, you know, ground yourself in what, what your intention is. Cause there's two things we need to figure out here. When we step into this imposter syndrome and we feel it, is it because we're worried about what other people might think of us mm -hmm. or are we actually connecting to a greater purpose? So is it self-preservation or is it a greater purpose that we're serving here? And that's a key question to deal with imposter syndrome. It's really important to understand, okay, am I feeling this imposter syndrome because I'm worried about what other people think? Or is it really, am I wanting to help a greater purpose? Am I wanting to add value? You know, these are the two paths that you can take when dealing with imposter syndrome. If you're self-preserve, if you're going through self-preservation, that's when imposter syndrome is at its highest. Mm. You're going to be like, well, every I'm just scared to put myself out there because I'm worried that people will find me out, that I'm not as good as I think I am. Uh -huh. However, if you go into something thinking, I just want to add value. I've got something to give and I just want people to benefit from it. This is a way to take the, take the spotlight off you into a greater purpose. And that allows you to bypass all these self-doubts and bypass these limitations that we place on ourselves, knowing that if I take a step forward, if I have a bit of courage and make an action in this area, someone else will benefit from that. And that's far greater than holding ourselves back. Right, right. Because it's so crippling, right? I mean, um, what would be the worst, let's say, uh, Evan, worst case scenario of somebody who is uh, suffering from imposter syndrome that they don't do anything? What's like? They're not aware. They don't no, recognize. Like, yeah, like what happens to the effect? person? Yeah, yeah. What's Correct. the effects? Yeah. Yeah. What happens to the person? It's quite simple. They just stay stuck. Mm. They don't move forward mm -hmm. and they live, they live a life with regret knowing that they had so much in their heart mm -hmm. that they wanted to share with the world. Mm -hmm. And yet that's, it's left there and they, and you leave in and you live an inauthentic life. Right. And I think that's, that's the worst case scenario. I think that's the worst thing that you could possibly do is to live a life that, that uh, live a unfulfilled life. Right. Yeah. yeah. And also so, the constant fear of being found mm -hmm. out because an imposter is someone who is not real by the, by the label the itself. Word. It's not the real yeah. thing. You're just pretending to be that. And so if you are convinced you're not that as good as the others, mm -hmm. you will live under fear that somebody mm. somewhere is going to point it out and will be able to connect the dots. I'll be found out. I will lose face and I'll be shamed. Is that, is it safe to say that's what people face or are that's what the fear is that they're running away from. Yeah, absolutely. So a lot of the symptoms of this imposter syndrome is uh, anxiousness. It's the anxiousness. It's the worry that comes from that fear. You know, if you're constantly worried about being found out and you're, you're constantly going to think about it, you're going to, you're going to carry this heaviness of every single move is being judged right now. So I have to make sure that I can either cover it up yeah. or, I'm going to, you know, portray an image that is not like that. And then th that constant uh, that masking and that constant yeah. trying to um, resolve all this is just, it's debilitating. It's tiring. And you're not going to be yourself. Mm -hmm. 
Mm. So this is what we see. We see people being goes from stress to anxiety and ultimately you can turn into mental health issues. Right. So there's a, there's a, there's a big spectrum here that you can go back and forth. From. What are the things that we, someone can do? Uh, what, what are the practices we can put in place to kind mm. of change our perspective? Cause that's what ultimately that's what we need to do. So yeah. do you have like exercises or maybe reminders that people can tell themselves to kind of snap them out of it? Yeah. I think the first thing that we need to do is become aware of what's happening. So kind of give it a, a bit of a, a name it. So firstly, it's to be present with ourselves and listen, okay, what's the chatter all about? So if we're able to sit back and listen objectively, mm-hmm. so the whole, you know, we all talk about mindfulness. We talk about meditation. What's the point of all this? The point, a purpose of it is to sit back and watch our thoughts and observe our thoughts and name our thoughts. So in that practice, you can start naming these thoughts as, wow, there's some imposter syndrome within me. I'm feeling like I'm a fraud. I'm feeling like this. And then be able, then be able to just separate that from you right now. Okay, great. So there's a, there is an element of imposter syndrome within me. Cool. I'm aware of it. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I can, I've already detached from it. So I'm no longer it. Now that I've put it to a distance, what's the chatter around it? What is supporting this claim that I'm an imposter? Mm-hmm. So you start looking for reasons for that. Mm. right and then you start to write them down start to think and it could be anything mm. right when i was dealing with imposter syndrome at the start i was like well i haven't had enough study mm. i haven't i haven't done i haven't had enough experience you know this kind of things but i start listing them down and then once you've listed down what's supporting these claims start challenging them mm. so you asked about like what is true about this what makes this true you know, and then you start to see that most of your claims are untrue. They're things that you tell yourself, not actually what someone else tells you, mm-hmm. right? So all this happens in our mind. Once you're able to, to dispel these truths, right? So for example, I haven't had enough study. Well, then I haven't had enough study right now, but I've had enough to get me to this point mm. and I have more room to grow. There you go. See the difference of reframing it there, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. You start to reframe it, create new, once you challenge those truths, start creating a new narrative because in life we live by narratives. We live by the stories that we tell ourselves. Mm-hmm. If we tell ourselves I'm a fraud, I'm not going to do anything, then that's what we're going to stay like that. If I start saying I haven't had the experience yet, I haven't had the study yet. I'm going to go seek out opportunities to do it. There you go. And that's what gives confidence. Action gives you confidence, mm-hmm. right? So you start doing that. And then once you start these, once you create these new beliefs and you take action in them, you start to create this new identity of, of this person that you're becoming. Right. That is no longer this person who you thought was an imposter, right? So you can see how you can shift from, I'm aware of these thoughts to I'm creating a new identity for myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's a bit of a transformation that you can take along the way. Yeah. That's and a lot of work. <laughs> if you, yeah, and once you've done that work, how can you even be sure that the imposter syndrome's not going to rear its ugly head again? Mm. Like how can you prevent yourself from falling back into that same trap? Yeah. I, I, I don't, that's a great question because I think it never, as I said earlier, it, I don't think it ever leaves you. I just think the intensity of it drops and you, you get to deal with it better. Okay. What's so important is 
to be aware of it and to be able to talk about mm-hmm. it because in, you know, when you feel like an imposter, it's embarrassing. You can feel shame around it. You can, you can feel guilt around it. And if you don't own it and talk about it, it's going to stick in your body. It's going to stick with you and it's going to weigh you down. So I think what's getting into a practice of, again, becoming aware of it. So separating yourself from your thoughts, observing your thoughts and uh, become aware of it. Then start talking about it with people who you trust, through people out there who may be doing something similar so that you give it a voice, you give it a name. And then from there, you can start to see again, hey, this isn't true. What's coming up for me just isn't true. But you have to give yourself the opportunity to say that and to see it for what it really is. So when you when it does come up for you again, you got to work through that process. You can't just be like, nah, leave it alone, leave it alone, leave it alone, because it's going to stick with you unless you address it. A lot of people will will just neglect it and repress it and move forward yet and then it will start appearing when they're not when they least expect it. Right, right. Okay, so I think that's a way to manage it. Sorry, I like that. I bit... like the quote that you said. Sorry. Go ahead, Jill. Sorry. Um, because you deal with athletes as well, right? I was wondering, do athletes have an imposter syndrome? Because it feels like to me, if something is time based or strength based, the question of whether you are good is actually answered, right? Yeah, it's measurable. It's measurable. And a lot of times when we, so for, for, I know for myself, I had that as well, the imposter syndrome. And I was very nervous being a, a host. And it was only when I told myself, like you said, it's, it's the ability to see what you're doing, the thoughts that are, you're feeding yourself. So what happened to me was, I was so nervous. I was so nervous. I was scared. And then I said, listen, I have one job and that is to facilitate the program. The program is not about me. I was just hired to make sure that we start the show, we reach the middle and we get to the end. And when I changed it from being judged, if I was good enough, and I switched it to, no, I have actually a job here. The weight of whether I was good or not didn't matter. Because the next question is, okay, so how do I move from point A to B to C? I'm not thinking about whether I'm good enough or I'm the right host. Maybe this, this stint should have gone to jelly. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you start, by that time, if you're already on stage, the job is yours. There's no more question. The clients who said it was you said, it was you. So now, mm-hmm. so for me, it was, you're right. It was when I changed the narrative of what I was there for, then it became about the job, not about Dell. And it mm. eased the pressure. And then now I see myself as part of a machine. So they're the light people, the script writer. And now I'm just there because that's the little uh, chain that I need to hold together because everybody else is holding the chain. So, you know, I think that that's so true. Del, with your example, I think it just perfectly painted what Evan was trying to explain earlier of not making it personal, but instead changing it to be for the greater good. Because uh, you already stated with your story that when you realized it wasn't about you and it was about getting the message of the client across and getting the information to the audience, that was the greater good. Yeah, yeah. When you... you, said your story I'm like okay so that's what Evan was talking about because earlier when he was saying you know change it from 
being about yourself to something that's for a lot other people other than yourself. I'm like, yeah, but I mean, for most imposters, or maybe I, I speak for myself here, it's both, you know, it's about yourself, but you also want to cater to the greater good. But when you said, when you related your story, I got it. Yeah. It's no longer about you. Yeah. It's not, it's not about you. So, and, and then that, it makes it easier to do the job. Yeah. <laughs> and then when you you're realize. You're not as fearful, I think. You're not as fearful and you're able to do like what you just said. You're not good yet. But by doing the A to B to C, the hosting gig, and you do it well, now it becomes part of what you know about yourself. So the next time mm. the imposter syndrome, you know, rears its ugly head, like you said, Jelly, you know what to do. This is a process. And for me, I had to do it over and over until such time that it's not about Dell. Do you think it has something to do with a touch of narcissism on the part of the one suffering from that? Like a, an over obsession about oneself? Or no? Good question. I don't think it's, I think narcissism is a whole different topic. I think that's a little bit extreme. I think it comes back to, comes back to self-esteem in a way that how comfortable we are with ourselves and that do we constantly think that we're judged? Do we, you know, are we, do we have, are we secure in ourselves enough not to continually worry about ourselves? And I think there's an element of that as well. If I'll give you an example. So I have a, I have a client who comes to me, wants to talk about confidence and, you know, his worry was, can I contribute enough to, to the people around me? And what we got down to was that he was more worried about what others thought of him rather than what the, the conversation or what the issue was really all about. So when I made him see right. that if you concentrated on the actual you know, the, the issue you're trying to resolve or the actual topic of the conversation, rather than you trying to look a certain way, all this pressure just came off him. Just yeah, like you were saying, Del, right. right? All the pressure just came off him and he was able to be confident as a result of that because it was no longer about him and trying to uphold a certain image of himself. So, and that comes back down to just how we view ourselves. Do we think we're valuable? Do we think we're enough? You know, and, and that's, that's a, a bit deeper, a bit more layered, but that's where everything comes from. It comes from how we look at ourselves. All my coaching conversations that I have, we might start with a surface level issue of something about career, mm. something about relationships, but it all comes down to how we view ourselves, right? how we see ourselves, how we relate ourselves to the world, to others. And that's, I think, really important. Um, to understand that our view of ourselves will affect the majority of our external life. Right. Yeah. Mm. Evan, you said earlier that the consequences of being, of having this imposter syndrome, aside from it being um, debilitating and causing stress and anxiety, I think it also feels safe though, for the imposters. Like in my case, I feel safe just not pursuing dreams or not going for the things that I want because I already know what to deal with where I am. I, I'm familiar with this arena. It's stepping out of that comfort zone that's anxiety causing, mm. you know, because right where I am, 
it feels safe. How do you how do you encourage someone or motivate someone to step out of that when they don't want to go into an arena that they're not familiar with? Yeah. Yeah, and I really love that you brought that up because the other side of imposter syndrome that is that it is safe. It's comfortable. Um, we we know everything about it. This is our kind of playing field and we're comfortable there. Mm-hmm. So whenever we're challenged, whenever the way we are or our skill level is challenged, you know, we go into this fight or flight that we want to uphold a certain identity of being able to be comfortable and be secure in a certain place. And whenever that's challenged, it's like the ego gets challenged a little bit in terms of, mm. you know, there's a potential you might not look as good as you did at this level. Right. And you want to, you yes. want to cover that. You want to keep that. You want yeah. to uphold that. Mm-hmm. I know I'm good. And as soon as right. you go into a new arena, it's like, wow, I'm, I'm not as good because I'm not familiar with You're this. You're a newbie again. Exactly. Yeah. And that's the ego telling us that you don't need to be a newbie again because you're already good at this area. But then your heart, your, there's a part of you that wants to take the next level. So what do you honor here? Mm-hmm. Do you honor the ego that wants to keep you safe and keep you where you are? Do you honor the heart who knows that you've got more to give and more, more expression, you know, more capacity. So you make it. So this is how I do it. I ask myself a question. If an opportunity presents itself, I ask two things. Am I, is this fear or is it, this is out of alignment, right? So if something is presented to me, I ask, is this out of alignment? Then I know that, this is not for me because my heart's not connected to it. I let that go. But if it's out of fear, I know that that fear is exactly the obstacle that I need to go through. Fear is usually telling us that there's something on the other side that's waiting for us that we need to go for. So how you do that, it's really just to, just to see what is on the other side of fear. Is it aligned with us? And what's the benefit of you pushing through this fear? You know, it's that next level. It's that honoring of our our heart. It's our actualizing our potential. What's the consequences of not going through that fear? Well, I stayed Mm -hmm. same. I don't grow, you know, and I live with regret, not knowing that I could have done more. So that's kind of, and that's, it's hard to give it a straight answer because everyone's different, but just gives you an awareness of different ways of thinking of it. Hmm. We're all absorbing what you're sharing. <laughs> no, but because I, I also think that when you uh, are fearful of something, you're right. It's um, something about you feels threatened. Yep. Whether the achieving of it or in the attempt of it, but you need to ask, what do you think will happen if you don't succeed? Because mm. a lot of times that's the question you have, but you never answer it. You just kind mm. of run away from the answer you state the question but then you never answer it and you you mm-hmm. go somewhere else and try to avoid dealing with it but i realized like for me for example what you were saying is whenever i feel feel fear that much fear it's time for me to pay attention yeah and then i have to ask myself what is the worst thing that could happen if you fail and a lot of times when i answer it it's ridiculous <laughs> I mean, right. ridiculous in the sense that I'm not saying I would never fail. I'm saying, yeah, you might. And because mm-hmm. you have to ask, because some people equate the failing to something 
And if you never know what that is, you'll always run away from it. So sometimes when I'm, um, for example, paragliding and I'm so scared, but there's a part of me that wants it because I think the fear is where I feel like I will know myself more. And I just need to do it because I don't want to be bullied by my fear. Mm -hmm. And so I do it. And then I realize, oh, wow, what was I so afraid of? Because yes. if I didn't, if something should have happened, then that's just what it is. It's my own judgment. That's what you're really facing. So it's not about other people. What I'm hearing you say is imposter syndrome has a lot to do with us mm-hmm. to ourselves. Yeah. And it's not about, it's, it's hardly what people will judge you for. It's really your fear about your own judgment. Yeah. Is this safe to say? Absolutely. It, it's how we judge ourselves. You know, when we think about failure, you know, it comes down to, I'm scared that I'm going to, like this is happening subconsciously. I'm scared I'm going to judge myself or how I'm going to judge myself if I do fail. Right. Yeah. It's, that's yeah. what kind of creates anxiety and worry that we not, we might not be able to deal with failure. That's what right. cripples us, you know, and that comes oh, from right. an egocentric kind of, I might be, I might look at myself different, or I might not think I'm as good as I used, as I thought I was. And that's what stops us from moving forward. And that's why one of the key topics that my clients come to me with is self-confidence. And there's so many definitions of self-confidence, but the one that resonates with me the most is the ability to go for something and be able to deal with what happens afterwards, to be able to deal with failure, to be able to deal with success. It's the confidence is the ability to try and deal with whatever comes afterwards. That's what it, that's what I think confidence is. And that relates back to, you know, fear is there. We're scared that we're not, we might not be able to handle failure what comes with failure. Sorry, I just realized I had seen something on Instagram uh, in this account called Gold Coast. And Mm. this piece was saying something about, this man was saying, people are afraid of getting into relationships and love, not because they can't find somebody to trust. It's that they don't trust that they will be okay should their hearts be broken. And it's exactly what you're saying, just not about love. It can be about um, hosting or another activity that you want to do. And what we're really... a different career path. A different career Mm. path. And it's really that we don't know if we can handle it should we fail. Yep. Ah. Ho, ho. Ding, 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 ding. (laughs) (laughs) It got me thinking, like, am I crippled because of my fear of failure that answer will come up in a future episode, I'm guessing. <laughs> I, need, I need time. I need time to think about it. But interestingly, that we have this topic today because just a few days ago, Rado and I had this conversation and he kept saying, you know, Mama, I wish you just you had as much confidence in yourself as I have in you. And he was he was saying, um, like for him, he his his confidence is off the roof (laughs) a little too much i would ask him what's the basis of this confidence (laughs) you know of course uh i i jest but because i also wonder 
why I lack so much. I lack the confidence. And, you know, where does he get his? Evan, what do you say to your clients who clearly have self-confidence issues? Yeah. You know, that's that's a great question and it's different for everyone. So the way that I coach people is I want to understand around what they believe confidence is firstly. You know, what does confidence mean to them? Because we're, we must know what we're trying to aim for. We must, we must have a definition of what our success would be. So if we want to be more confident, well, first I need to understand what confidence is for you. What does it look like for you and make it really clear so that you have a target really. And then it's unpacking the reasons of what's stopping you from being confident. What are the barriers? What, what is the story that you're telling yourself? What's the inner chatter? And it's, and it's kind of just getting to the bottom of what is creating that this notion that you don't have confidence and it usually comes from these beliefs that we have that we've had our whole lives, whether I'm not good enough or whether I am not worthy or I, I, that is imposter syndrome comes up again. You know, it comes back from what we believe ourselves about ourselves to be true. That's what it always comes back down to. And mm. it comes down to, as I said earlier, how we see ourselves. If we see ourselves as someone who look i'm not worthy to be here you know they don't have a positive image of themselves it's going to affect their confidence uh, because they're going to constantly they're going to be constantly wanting to not show themselves not show who they really are right. in fear that i'm going to be found out exactly they're going to hide yeah and if yeah. you hide parts of yourself you're not going to be fully expressing who you truly are and i think that's what confidence comes from your ability to express all of who you are and be okay with any whatever happens as, as a result of that, you know. So like warts and all, to show the world who you are in totality. In yeah, totality. That's confidence, right? You know? If we hold back something, if we hold back a part of ourselves, we're not really expressing who we truly are, and I think that's inauthentic confidence. But authentic confidence, expressing who you are, and and all the perfections and imperfections that you do have and i think when you get to that stage which i'm still working on a lot of us are still working on you know it's a it's an, a lifelong journey that's when you can sit comfortably with yourselves and i think that's where com confidence comes from sitting comfortably yourselves with us as a whole and being able to express that and one thing that i have been doing personally is i've been doing something called shadow work so in the human oh. psyche we have a light side and we have a shadow side. The light side is what we want to, to show the world. And the, people, the shadow right? side is the part of us that we repress, that we're shameful about, that we want to hide from the world. And through this, uh, through this work, I've been able to understand the side of me that I've wanted to hide, repress, I'm shameful of, and to give that light, to be able to accept that, to understand it and be able to be okay with it and learn from it. And the more that you become, oh. and the key to doing this is vulnerability. I think vulnerability creates confidence as well. Being okay right, right. with your imperfections, being okay that you're not yes. uh, where you exactly want to be or expect to be or in comparison to others. Vulnerability breeds confidence, I think. you know. So the more that you can be own who all of you are, the less you're worried about others and the less that you're worried about, well, 
I don't need to show up for anyone else, just for myself. So with the shadow work, what do you do? Do you have a conversation with somebody you trust and you tell them, okay, this is the bad side of me? Or, I mean, what do you, what's the practice? Yeah. I want to work it, on my shadow. Yeah, like how do you start? So I'm is going this, to do this, Evan. Yeah. Let's, is this based what, on what do we Carl, do? Carl Jung? Is, is this the shadow work? Okay. Based on okay. Carl Jung's okay. work. Yeah. So it, right. it, I'd first start to read about it and learn about the concept of the shadow. And then it start, start to look within yourself, you know, start writing reflections about parts of yourself that you've probably neglected. And just mm, let that okay. express that out. I think that's the first thing. You don't need to go and tell express, someone. You have to let it out. Let it out. Because you you, once you start to own once you start to own it and start to talk uh-huh. about, describe it, it loses its sense of power over you. Because it's no okay, longer yeah. in the shadows. It's no longer hidden. Right. Right. You've given it life. Uh-huh. So that's the first step. Next step is being able to find someone who you can trust, you know, because you don't want okay. to tell this to everyone because you People, people <laughs> yes. can't handle it, to be honest, <laughs> right. or they don't. Right, right. right? It's, it's a deep, they can use it against 100%. you. It's, yeah. You want to do it with someone you trust. Then you start, you know, exploring that, hey, this is what I'm dealing with. This is this is what I've been doing or whatever. Express it. Nice. Because that way you start right. to, it, if you can talk about it, it no longer has that power over you. You have power over it. And right. you just feel the liberation of owning that, you know. And for, for me, you know, growing up, um, as a, as a young boy, you know, I had so much, my shadow was that I just thought I just wasn't good enough. I just thought that no one wanted to look at me and talk to me. I just had this crippling fear that I was just, I was worthless. Right. And, and mm. this is, that was hard for me to really come across. And what I learned in this process was that it was, someone may have told me something and I created a meaning that I wasn't good enough. And then yeah. it stopped me from really putting myself out there with my interactions. I remember as a child, I couldn't look people in the eye because I was scared that they're going to look at me and see right through me, see right through me mm. as, an, as a fraud or, or someone who's just unlovable and that kind of thing. And these are the things that you carry in your shadow. Right? Okay. And so by being able to talk about it, own it and be okay with it. So I can talk about it now and feel fine. Whereas when right. I first mm-hmm. confronted, I was in tears. I'm like, you know, really scared, um, you know, resentful, but. Right. But Evan, in your, in your journey of this, like, okay, so it, it, you, it affected you when you were younger, yeah. but then at what point did you realize, um, okay, this is something I, I, you, you, you were made aware of it because you be, you, you're an athlete, mm. you know, while you were here in the Philippines. So like, I would assume, cause athletes really do put themselves out yeah. there. You know, because you compete, you're in such a high, intense kind of uh, environment, right? Yeah. Competitive, to say the least. So how did you overcome that? Yeah, so that's, so I got to a stage in life where I I worked with a coach because I knew that there was something holding me back in life. And it was through the exploration with a coach that it was these beliefs that I created from a, a young age that was stopping me from putting myself out there and expressing my confidence because you need to be confident to be on a sporting field to be to to Mm -hmm. operate at a high level of performance right and so there was a lot of mental blockages I needed to go through first to unleash that potential that I had so I worked with a coach I got to own these beliefs and change the narrative of these beliefs And, and again these don't happen overnight it happens over time but another thing that I learned from unpacking these beliefs is that 
I, I got into sport and played it, tried to play at a high level because I, I was such a high achiever because I felt like I needed to prove to the world that I was good enough. So understanding right, yeah. that was such a big piece of the puzzle as well. Okay, so when I, when, I, when I understood that my behavior of wanting to achieve so highly all the time and trying to be perfect and all this kind of thing was actually to cover up that I didn't think that I was enough. And when I, when I dispelled that, when I was like, Hey, I don't need to operate like this all the time. I started to enjoy my sport again. I started to have fun with it. And then when you operate out of love rather than fear, then that's when my performance opened up because when I was operating fear, I was scared to make a mistake. When you're operating Mm. from love, it's like, who cares? I just want to have fun and fully express myself. And I think that was the right. big difference. That was the key. That was the key. Yeah. And that's what I find with the athletes that I work with now. They're, they mm-hmm. put so much pressure on themselves. They're so hard on themselves that they no longer find love in what they do. And then they go to training, mm-hmm. they go to games, and they're constantly thinking, how am I going to stuff this up? Whereas mm-hmm. when we start working together, they get back to what happens if I start having fun again and start loving the sport and loving just enjoying every moment of it and not worrying about the consequences. The mindset goes to how am I going to have fun today? Which in turn, Mm -hmm. they have better success in their performance. Nice. Nice. I was looking through your Instagram account and you did pose that question, like um, how to deal with perfectionism. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, I mean, growing up, it's like, oh, yeah, you're, nobody's perfect. But when you're doing your work, it should be perfect. Right. So and then your question was, are you a recovering perfectionist? So being perfect or trying to perfect your work is not a good no. thing, you know, because growing up, sometimes, you know, you hear your parents, oh, you have to you make your work perfect. You got to be yeah. this and you got to be that. It's perceived to be good. It's perceived to be good. It's but like apparently, a standard of excellence. Yeah, but okay, so maybe you can talk a bit about that. So being, and and especially athletes. I mean, you take somebody like Kobe Bryant, you know, he's a perfectionist. Mm. He's OC, hardworking, but there's a downside to this, right? I mean, on your Yeah, absolutely. So perfectionism, I think everyone deals with a bit of it. And what what debilitates me about it, what was, it was just the pressure that you just put on yourself because it was such and it's unrealistic unrealistic expectations that we place on ourselves that debilitates us and if mm-hmm. we we have a certain standard for ourselves and we don't meet that that's when self blame self uh being self critical happens and then this yeah. can this can uh, bring about a downward spiral in our mentality and the way that we see ourselves right which is which gets mm-hmm. us nowhere because it, it becomes then a, comes a loop. It's like a cycle. Exactly. Yeah. And what happens as a result? Well, how many times have you guys done this where I'll start something and then like, Oh, I don't know if this is good enough. So I'm not, so I'm not going to publish it or I'm not going to put it out there. I'm not going to put myself right. out there because I don't think it's mm-hmm. perfect yet. And this breeds mm-hmm. procrastination. All right. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to wait until the perfect moment. I'm going to wait until it's perfectly written or until I perfectly mm-hmm. articulate it. Or if I look mm-hmm. perfect, and that time never comes, right? Because right? you have yes. ridiculous standards for yourself. So that that's what mm-hmm. happens, and then this is what. And then you miss and out. You miss out. And then you miss. You miss out on opportunities, right? You miss out on 
the gig on the hosting gig because you weren't willing, mm-hmm. you didn't think you were ready to, to deliver it or, mm-hmm. you know, you didn't, um, you waited for the perfect opportunity to go and talk to your crush, but you know what? They walked away because you, you just waited yeah. too long. Right. Or mm-hmm. you, you waited for the perfect time to write your book, but this book never got published, you know, 20 years down the track, nothing's been happened because you've been waiting. So you can see the consequences mm-hmm. of perfectionism. Yeah. Okay. I was Th- talking to my have- son about this, about, cause he, he had a plate that he, for, for his uh, fine arts class that I overheard conveniently with uh, his professor. <laughs> and after the call, he uh, said something about being trying to perfect it, but having the work uh, go on unfinished. So I told him, you know, look, um, there's a saying in the tech world, progress, uh, not perfection, because, mm. you know, you're not going to get anything done. So having mm-hmm. Evan talk about that in, in much more detail than I, I'd have a better understanding, especially when I'm talking to, you know, somebody like my son who has this mindset, especially when he approaches his work and uh, it'll, it'll for sure come in handy. I mean, this is tabbed as uh, for future reference because <laughs> <laughs> it'll be an interesting conversation with, with JB for sure. And hopefully he can he can get over that mental hurdle that he has when when he approaches his work because you know we get glimpses of it and mm-hmm. you know, it challenges him indeed, especially when when you're on a deadline for 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 example, right. and it it can uh, you know uh, uh, cause a logjam in in your process as well. <laughs> Right. I wonder where he gets his uh, that standard of excellence from. No, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> like father, like no, no, it's not about me. Come on, <laughs> we're talking to uh, Evan Spargo in Melbourne, Australia, Victoria, and uh, uh, just one last question for me: um, Are you ever going to get back into the rugby in the, uh, the sevens or Aussie rules, or are you going to play for? For, for us here back again, or are those uh, times uh, already done and uh, in the past already? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. Um, you know, I'm 32 years old now and, and I, I, your body starts to, to start to break down when you, when you want to perform at a high level consistently. And I think my days as a international player, I think those are numbered or have already gone. You know, mm-hmm. I think um, in terms of playing sport, I, my favourite sport or my love of sport is Aussie rules, as you mentioned, Jude, and I'm playing here in Melbourne just for my local team, nothing too serious, just so that Mm-mm. I can enjoy my my sport again because playing at a high level, there is an element of, you know, high pressure and sometimes you don't right. enjoy it and it's good yeah, to yeah. just get back to why you played sport in the first place, in like when, you're, place. when you're a child, right? So... For me, it's mm-hmm. that. And as you grow up, right, as you all know, priorities change. You know, I have a lovely partner now and I have my career. I'm just I'm building this business. I'm working with the academy and that's more important to me now. And I'm getting so much mm-hmm. more fulfillment and I'm touching more lives than I've ever had in my life. And that's what really gets me going, gets my energy going. Sport was great and it played its role in my life to build certain skills to this level. But what's going to take me to the life that I want to create and the person I want to become 
is to focus on these other things that are more important and deepening those experiences such as relationships, career purpose, and Mm -hmm. um, personal growth. So hopefully that answers your question. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. Amazing advice. And, you know, I really believe like nobody's ever really ready for that thing um, until it's there. You know, you see, you have to take that leap of faith. Because if you don't, then, you know, like what we've discussed before, you kind of just get stuck, right? It's like when people say, yeah, I'm going to, we're, we're going to be, we have to be super ready to have a baby. It's like, you're never really ready to have a baby, you know, <laughs> ever, ever. ever. So you might know well. what it's like till you're in it. Exactly. You will right. never know what it's like till you're in it. So like maybe the, the people out there who are listening to us, who, who've listened to Evan today, you know, um, Try to not let that hold you back. You got to jump, right? Take that leap. Jelly, take that leap. (laughs) Well, I'm I'm also hearing from what the last thing you said is a lot of what you're saying is also correlating to our ability to stay in the now. Because all anxiety, which imposter syndrome presents, is something in the future. You're anxious Mm. of the future. You're depressed with the past but you're never in the moment and I think this is where athletes call the zone when they're not thinking about winning or losing they're just in this very moment I need to look at the ball and I need to do I don't know where it's going to go but I'm ready and a lot of what you're saying is when we're performing we're not worried about something in the future judgment of people will be after your performance but when we stay in the now, then, then you become more alert, more wholehearted in what you do. Because you're not tortured by the fear. There's nowhere else to go except, well, what can I do? <laughs> like, mm-hmm, this is happening. Mm-hmm. I'm ready. And, and there's no fear. There's no worry. Even if it's crunch time, like in a ball game, like if it's like a, a kick, you know, a lot of pressure and if you you could psych yourself out by thinking of what if I fail as opposed to here I am with the ball where do I need to go throw it or kick it those are Mm -hmm. two different conversations happening in your brain and the results also present a different each each conversation presents a different result and if you want to be true to who you are you need to be in the now and it's, it's, it's amazing because as you're talking, so many things around uh, humanity, what we are so um, interested in, they all come together. And we're just talking about imposter syndrome, but everything is touched. Self-esteem, trust, trust of yourself, people you love, you know, and it's like, it's amazing that this is where we are as a human being, as humanity, because 20 years ago when we were young, this was not even being talked about. Yeah. And, and it's nice because now we understand the stories behind those great people who did great things. They must have felt the same as us. And so if they did that and they succeeded, it's possible the seed of success resides in you as well. Yeah, I really love what you just said there. And it's so true. And I think it's so important to remember what the purpose of being in the now moment is. As you said, one thing, it's being in that flow state where where you're in the zone, where things just happen automatically for you. You know, your, your, your senses are heightened. 
things become effortless and we're in this state, right. you know, we can achieve anything, but it takes effort to get into that state, right? Because what happens is that if we're constantly living in the future and we're worried about the future, one thing we've got to understand about humans is that we love control. Why we get so worried about the future is because we don't think we can control it. We've mm -hmm. lost, we right. lose grip of it. So we start worrying about it. When we come back to the, future, the present moment, we have control over our present moment. We can control what we do. We can control how we respond to the moment. So that's what, mm -hmm. that's what feels yeah. comfortable for us. We get this flow state right. because we are in control of what we're doing right now when we think of the future, cause there's no control, we start to worry. We start thinking, Oh my God, I, are we, yeah. oh my God, what's going to happen. I can't do anything about uh -huh. it now. Right. So right. one tip that I'd give people is that create rituals for yourself, create a ritual, whether it's a daily practice or something you do before a performance or something like that, because what it does is that it creates order in your mind. It creates order in your world. So if I am every morning for me, my ritual is meditation. I do some gratitude practice and I do journaling. And what it tells me is that I'm starting to gain control of my immediate environment. Therefore I have more mm. sense of control in the moment and of today. And because right. I feel more in control and because my mind is in order, I have more confidence as a result. I feel better about myself because I've, I've, I've connected to that what I can control when I don't do the practice, when I don't, when I just wake up and go, I don't feel confident. I feel like I'm not mm. in control. I feel like I'm reacting mm -hmm. to everyone. Right? Mm. I feel like I'm just mm. letting my emotions get the best of me because I haven't created order in myself first. So hopefully that gives you a bit of an idea of what's so, why it's, imp it's important to have this presence about us. And yeah, where it comes from i like that so Thank don't wake so up much. and check social no. media no. <laughs> no that's not that's advice. The, advice that's the worst thing that's the worst, the worst thing you can do like the first right. the first and last thing what <laughs> no, no social that's media. the first thing or the worst thing <laughs> the worst oh, the worst, the worst. Okay. Same. It's the same. Yeah. Same, same. No, you know. Same difference. I've had same. same difference. I've had personal different uh, experience with that. Like you know, sometimes you automatically grab your phone and then you go on Twitter and then there's such a like barrage what of while I was asleep. No, but it's just a barrage of negativity and then yes. there you go. You just started off your day on the wrong side of the bed. Yep. You know, I yeah. like that. I'm gonna I'm gonna start a ritual in the morning. I think, and I do. I feel like if I wake up and I take a walk. Every, that mm. that day is a pretty good day yeah you know <laughs> right no i mean like historically yeah. i can say like the, the the weeks the days that i walked in this week is a good day the days yeah. that i didn't and i checked my phone <laughs> it was crappy <laughs> <laughs> well evan do you do you That's consult great. uh via zoom like if there are people listening to us and they would like yeah. to be coached do you do that Absolutely. So the bulk of my business is done on in Zoom. You know, you don't cool. have to be in person. I have people here who I coach in Australia, but most, I'd say 90% of the work that I do is via Zoom. So I can reach anyone in the world. And that's one of the most exciting things about, you know, in every, every challenge that we face, that the world faces, there's always an opportunity that comes from it, right? There's two sides right. of a coin. And one of those things is, 
you know, from now is that I can work online. I can work anywhere I want in the world right now. And I can reach mm-hmm. people who I've never been able to reach and I can affect mm-hmm. more lives than I've ever been able to affect just here in Australia. Right. So uh, absolutely. Um, it's, it's one of the best things is working with people from around the world. I can reconnect to people in the Philippines who I haven't seen for a long time, who mm-hmm. I miss and, mm-hmm. and work with new people I've never met halfway across the globe. So Absolutely. Please. Uh, yeah. I'm open to as many interactions as possible with people around the world via Zoom. How could they contact you? Yeah. So via, so my website, evanspargo.com or my Instagram mm-hmm. at evanspargo or Facebook slash evanspargo. Um, yeah. Okay. Feel free to private message me and we can create a conversation and go from there. Nice. Amazing. Thank you. Evan. Thank, you. Thank you so Thank much. Thank you so much. I just- I asked him once, he's like, right away. Thank you, Evan. Anything for you, Jelly. Thank you, Evan. It is so nice to see you. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks, everyone. The eavesdrop. If you check out his Instagram, he posts, you know, um, things that you people are having problems with. I think he gets that from his coaching sessions. So Mm -hmm. just like uh, Fran said, he posted about perfectionism mm-hmm. he also posted about imposter syndrome so it's it's follow him on instagram it's a learning kind of like it's a learning feed when you have his on yours yes but, we're following yeah. him follow. no no social media in the mornings <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's such a bad habit i, I fell true. into that bad habit and uh, you know i had to break it i had to break it it was too much i was like oh, right no no Anyway, okay, wonderful. I hope you uh, out there, you guys out there got a lot of insight on uh, how to deal with imposter syndrome. I really like what he said, new level, new devil. Yeah. Because every step, every journey, um, you're going to be faced with something new, you know? And you got to constantly tell yourself you can do it. I'm sure you go through that when you open a new uh, store, Monica. (laughs) Yeah, right? all the time. <laughs> right? All right. the time. So congrats on, yeah. by the way, how many How many did you open? Five this week? This week. Well, now. Well, uh, oh, but yeah, you know, a lot of, a lot of what you discussed. Congratulations and BF Thank you. Thank you. You know, a lot of it resonated with me because, you know, there is that, that doubt. Like, are we ready for this? Are we ready to take on another branch am i ready for it you know i'm very lucky that i have somebody like al that's just go 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 because if it were me i no no I no. Ha- no 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 <laughs> oh. no 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 <laughs> yeah so it's like that so i'm i'm very lucky there's a balance there because he's the one and you know i'm sure he has imposter syndrome too but it's such a difficult place to be in because you're like, am I ready? Am I ready? You're never ready. Like, I'm. is my commissary ready? I don't know. It's not going to be, but you'll make it ready. That's mm. that's my thing. I'm going to make it ready. I'm going to take okay. the steps to be. So, yeah. Difficult. Okay, I have a question yeah. for, like, Chris Marie, who wanted us to tackle this topic. When you conquer those fears, what was waiting for you on the other side? Fulfillment, knowledge, experience. A scotch and a juicy steak. That's right. That's right. And some loving from Sir Al. Random dates at Antonio's. That's what was waiting. Yeah. The life that you want, right? The 
the life that it's you want. On the I mean, other side of that fear. Nothing's ever stable and nothing is ever guaranteed. There will be failure. But I know that if I do fail, I'm going to pick myself up. And so a lot of good things are on the other side of that fear. Ikaw pala yung guest natin, Monica. Maldives. No, but yeah, I mean, if you ask me, I, I have uh, a fear of failure that I think I've come to terms with the fact that it shouldn't be that way. Mm-hmm. Because so much so that I don't want to fail at all in, you know, most anything. Yeah. But then you have this whole other conversation that's going on right now that mm-hmm. failure is key to yeah. becoming who you want to be. Yes. You fail, so, you fail upwards, they say. It's so it true. It shouldn't bring you down. But I'm, I'm so afraid of that, even now. Even if I realize that, you know what, it's okay. It's okay to pumalpak uh, or to stumble and fumble and be in a jumble, in the jungle. It's a no. Yeah. You know, it's... Um, <laughs> it's a good Keep going. <laughs> it's difficult. It's difficult because you're going, you're so afraid to disappoint. I have disappointed many people. Many. Like, you know, I'm sure they don't think highly of me, maybe. You know? And if I let that stew in my mind, then that I will never, ever move forward. You know, it's like, okay, um, I failed you and I'm sorry, but I learned my lesson and now here I am trying to make it better. I can't make what I did to you back then better. I can't correct it. I can't change it either. But mm. I know that I've changed and I'm better for it. And yeah. if you want to believe me, that's great. If you don't want to believe me, then that's okay too. You know, and I'm, oh, I will live with that. I'm good with that. You know, and this is a constant conversation that I have because I know that I have disappointed people. Like, you know, uh, I've had, I've had branches fail, you know, and it's so scary. It's so scary because it's other people's money. Mm. You know, and I really learned the hard way. Like if my Fran five years from ago, five years ago was not the Fran who is here now, you know, so. We're all the better for it, Monica. That's for sure. Soup. I think so. I think so. And I, you know, you kind of pass that forward. The answer to Jelly's question for me is what's on the other side is... We don't get to know ourselves without doing anything. Yeah. It's the doing that allows you to know who you are. Because whether you fail or not, there's a lot more knowing of yourself. And the people who are so afraid, just like we said earlier when we were talking to Evan, is even when you talk about vulnerability, it's not that vulnerable vulnerable people are great and never fail. But these are the people who know they can handle it should they fail. The people who never, who stop with the fear and never fight it are people who are not sure that they can pick themselves up. That's why they say people who have loved in their lives, like if somebody got widowed or um, they're more likely to love again because you would think that if you lose a spouse, someone Mm. you really, really love, taken away from you by something that's eventual in life, which is death, mm, mm. that you would be, 
you would die of a broken heart. You'll never find happiness. But what research has found is that people who have loved well are more likely to love again because love again. They, they're able to pick themselves up when the worst things have happened. So yeah, yeah. for me, that's, that's the price. That, that's, that, that's the reward of you doing what scares you. It's that you know yourself, like this thing that I'm doing, sometimes, you know, moving your life, nakakalula. Like the, the thing mm-hmm. that drives me insane sometimes is, shit, I'm in a land full of strangers. I have nobody mm. here. Mm. If something goes wrong with me and Tyler, who do I run to, right? This should have stopped me from doing this. Mm-hmm. And yet, whatever the pull was, I'm here. And I realize I am not failing. Feels like I am some days. But <laughs> I'm actually okay. And the, right. You're doing great. My, my children are happy. Mm-hmm. My husband feels loved. What am I? I'm doing something right. And so it's in the doing the things that scare us or doing things that are not familiar. It's knowing who we are in those attempts. That's what Mm -hmm. it means, I guess, to be human. And Mm -hmm. if you fail, okay, now I know better. I'm not good at it. (laughs) (laughs) Don't cut your hair again if you're not good at it. Don't cut your hair again. But as it turns out, you are good at it. See? But you face your fear and then live to cut another day. (laughs) Yeah. You have to face your fear. It's so hard, though. Oh, my God. You just need a friend to push you. Go. That's important. Yeah. It can can be a lonely affair if you're dealing with this. I'm sure, Jelly, you know, because Siguro, or similar to maybe four of us, it, it can be just ourselves in our thoughts. And with Evan being an example right now, he's a coach. So he's that someone Mm -hmm. that can help Mm. you get over that hump. And that's, that's his, that's his calling. That's his chosen field right now in his stage of life. Uh, Siguro by, by having him uh, guest, it, it, it shows how maybe having someone like a coach, a tutor, mm-hmm. a, mentor, a mentor, even a group a of friends. Or who, a healer or a or, podcast. Mm-mm. Yeah, or, or <laughs> yeah. this. Then, right? then, or that. Or that. Or anything. <laughs> just, don't, just don't feel lonely in, your, in whatever thoughts that enter your mm. mind and give you doubts. Mm-mm. Because the world needs a little encouragement sometimes. And maybe we can be that voice or that vessel mm-hmm. for, for some people. What a great episode on introspection. Gotta I know. Up. I'm starting right? the introspection right now. But I need to podcast muna. Oh, and then you, you save it for a next episode. I was having that. I was save having it. that during the conversation. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. So you can really get... You can, it can get comfortable and now i'm realizing i guess that's why sometimes you get into a situation wherein you are pushed to your limits because you need to get uncomfortable so you would actually step out of the safe zone you know it's like you need a push and sometimes that push is not really good so don't wait for that push just (laughs) to propel you to move forward jelly look you were so scared (laughs) no you were so scared to do the podcast right 
Yes. 120-something episodes ago, you were so scared yeah. and you didn't know if you belonged, if you were should be part of the conversation, but you did the it anyway. The meditation that went in right before recording. <laughs> but look but look at where you are now. That mm-hmm. quest, if you had not jumped into the unknown, into the unknown. <laughs> that, but if you had not jumped into the unknown, you would never know what you know now. Mm. Which is, you can do a podcast. You, you can hold your own among the greats. Ay! Ay! I'm teasing you. I'm teasing you. Because that's what you put on with us. But that's correct. You pushed yourself and look what you got. Right? True. So that's what the, what's on the other side of your fear. And everyone else suffering from imposter syndrome. Guys, we can do this. So just keep us posted. Uh, let us know um, how you are also conquering your own fears, how you're dealing with your imposter syndrome, and maybe let us know what is on the other side of that fear when you actually conquered it. Right. Okay. So thanks to Evan Spargo for being our guest today. And that wraps up the show, guys. Thank you. And well, we hope you learned something. This is the eavesdrop. <laughs> my name is Fran. <laughs> my name is Jelly. <laughs> Before I forget, my name is Del. <laughs> this is Jude Racha. We'll see you on the next one. I forgot how to wrap up the show. Because <laughs> <laughs> I was getting ready not to mention everyone's names. Right. <laughs> okay, let's just roll with it. The Eavesdrop. No filter. Off kilter. Exclusively on Anchor. The views and opinions expressed by the podcast creators, hosts, and guests do not necessarily reflect the official policy and position of Podcast Network Asia. Any content provided by the people on the podcast are of their own opinion and are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, individual, or anyone or anything.